All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're having a special episode of Under the Bridge. It is unofficially, officially brought to you today by Skittles. Taste the rainbow, mother. I'm gonna have to bleep that part, but <laughs> it wouldn't feel complete without it. So, well, I mean, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> Suffice to say, that was not a complete non sequitur, believe it or not. <laughs> Either way, I bid you welcome to Under the Bridge. I also bid you welcome to Under the Bridge. I'm Cody, aka the Scarlet Troll, and I'm Greg, aka Greg. And I'm gonna jump right into it because got stuff to cover, and partly thanks to me, actually entirely thanks to me. We're starting recording a little late. <laughs> I also blame the movie theater for doing these secret screenings on Monday nights. <laughs> the Temptations. No, not the musical group. They are good, though. They are very good. I don't have any gaming news this week, but I do have a little bit of comic news. Mm-hmm. Uncanny Avengers is coming back. Yay? It doesn't mean an awful lot. Uh, for those <laughs> okay. not to know, the Uncanny Avengers was basically... It's sort of hybrid X-Men Avengers team that was brought together after the Avengers vs. X-Men event. Mm. And the idea was basically Cyclops or somebody calling Cap out on the Avengers not doing enough to help mutants, which is kind of obnoxious because the only reason they're not allowed to do anything is because the writers won't let them do anything. But it did lead to this team. <laughs> okay. And then post-Secret Wars, it also became a... It, it was sort of a Avengers X-Men Inhumans team when they were trying to make that thing shtick. Hmm. But, yeah. So, this new Uncanny Avengers lineup is going to revolve around some false flag operations being launched, trying to pin stuff on the Krakoan government, that being the mutant government, and they're bringing together the Uncanny Avengers to try and get to the bottom of it. Oh boy. Funny enough, though, it's almost all X-Men characters. <laughs> so, mutants against mutants. Well, Captain America's there. Okay. But that's it. <laughs> so my previous statement is not completely incorrect then and i i guess technically quicksilver's not really a mutant anymore but he's on the team mm. deadpool's uh a mutate in the comics i think they artificially <laughs> gave him wolverine's healing factor mm. i don't think he's naturally a mutant unlike in the movie i don't know Fair. it's deadpool it can change any minute but so yeah it's it's cap quicksilver deadpool psylocke penance and rogue Okay. An impressive lineup. Yes. Mostly I'm just happy to see the X-Men crossing over with more of the Marvel Universe again, because they've been a little isolated ever since this whole Krakoan thing started. How long has this Krakoan thing been for, though? Ooh, I want to say the last couple couple years. Okay. Hmm. There was one really good bit, though, in the Hellfire Gala crossover event. Basically, they had a big to-do, and they invited a bunch of other people onto the island, or some sub-island or something for the gala, and Doom and Captain America were squaring off, and Emma Frost was trying to help calm things down. She goes, Victor, you, a you act as though we've declared we've conquered Earth. And then some alien diplomat comes up and goes, Miss Frost, on behalf of the Shi'ar Empire, we'd like to congratulate you on conquering your home planet. And Captain looks embarrassed, and Doom's just walking off laughing. It's, it's so good. Dude, if I was due, I, that would just be the thing that every time I saw Captain America, I'd try to come up with some cheeky way of reminding him of it. <laughs> and then it got even funnier because Emma Frost thought Cap had a thing for her, read his mind, and then is horrified. Because she's talking with Kitty Pride about it. Kate Pride, sorry. And goes, mm -hmm. oh god, I remind him of his mother. She was born at the turn of the century. I need a drink. Oh. Emma, you already have a drink. I need another one! Oh, no. <laughs> uh, it was good. That was a good event. I like mm. the I like the Krakoan era of X-Men. It's just, like I said, also nice to see them getting back mm. into it a little bit, even if it's only with Captain America. <laughs> Plus, maybe that... You can't comb over every comic thing hoping maybe this will be something to do with the MCU, but maybe more mutants? Yeah, we'll see. Maybe. I'm, I'm just saying I expected a little more mutant at this point, at least. That's understandable. I'm officially declaring this weird sequel week. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> there have been some really strange sequels greenlit all in a row. Mm. Probably the least weird to me, Smile. Yeah, yeah, I will give you that. Parker Finn, the director, assigned a multi-year first-look deal with Paramount Pictures, which apparently includes the sequel. Mm-hmm. Or at least they want it to be a sequel. 
but we don't actually know what his next movie is. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt Smile 2 is probably happening, though. Y- yeah, no. I mean, the movie, from what I remember, did exceptionally well against its budget. So. Oh, hell yeah. I think it made like 10 times or something. Yeah, okay, so yeah, sequel makes sense at that point. $17 million US budget, $216 million worldwide. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah that'll do it. <laughs> that's a money printer. Slightly more baffling, but not quite. Fall is also getting a sequel. I disagree with the latter half of that statement. (laughs) I only think it's baffling because Smile lent itself very well to a sequel because the thing causing it is still out there. Mm. How the fuck do you make Fall 2 unless it's just another pair of idiots decide to climb something entirely too tall and suffer the consequences? That's it. That's what they're doing. Yeah, as I say, God, who did the first one? Was it College Humor or... I am looking this up real quick because I remember being completely flabbergasted when I found out which company or whatever was partially responsible for this movie. BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed was was involved? BuzzFeed Studios. You're right! Yeah. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, and the fact that BuzzFeed apparently has enough capital to make movies is terrifying in of its own self. (laughs) Well, apparently T-Shop Productions is the one uh, discussing ideas for a second movie. Okay, and... I mean, this also made budget, and more, because it had a $5 million budget, made like $22 million. Yes, it did. (laughs) But it's such an aggressively mid-movie. Yes. (laughs) If there's anything else coming out that weekend, not Mm. Fall 2. Not Fall 2, yeah, yeah. As funny as that would be to have to go back to it. (laughs) And then... Originally, I was like, okay, a potential smile sequel, whatever, fall to, okay, that's not exactly newsworthy. And then, and then this happened. Mm. Paramount Plus has greenlit Good Burger 2. I have no idea how this is supposed to work. Keenan Thompson and Kel Mitchell are both set to come back. I, I, I don't understand how this is supposed to work. The first Good Burger wasn't even good. It was a weird, it was a weird... <laughs> I mean, it's like the most kid-friendly stoner movie I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree. The, last, the, last, the first one had Abe Vigoda in it, for crying out loud. What is <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's... God, it's not a good movie, but it holds an extremely special place in my heart. I don't know. <laughs> so here's the official logline. Hmm. Dexter Reed, Kenan Thompson's character, is down on his luck after another one of his inventions fails. Ed, Kel Mitchell, welcomes Dex back to Good Burger with open arms and gives him his old job back. With a new crew working at Good Burger, Dex devises a plan to get back on his feet, but unfortunately puts the fate of Good Burger at risk once again. Okay, first off, I refuse to believe that Keenan is the one who's having a hard time. (laughs) First and foremost. Second of all, implying that Kel has been working at Good Burger for, what, 25 years? (laughs) Look, when you find what you're good at... Fair. Or when you find something that you can't back out of and nothing else seems like it's anything more than a lateral move at best and you're not willing to risk it, so you end up sticking with this thing that you absolutely hate. Anyways. (laughs) Getting a little, uh, getting a little personal. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. This has nothing to do with current events. (laughs) Completely divorced from anything resembling reality. Mm. So this is weird. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's... I guess we're gonna get another, like, modern family-friendly stoner movie. I know Good Burger is not officially a stoner movie, but come on. No, but I I could see the vibe. Yeah. I could see the vibe. (laughs) That's a weird trio of announcements, to say the least. Absolutely. In less weird, slightly-ish news, we now have news about Quentin Tarantino's 10th and self-proclaimed final film. (laughs) It is named The Movie Critic, and he is prepping to direct this fall. Oh god, I can already... I have no nothing about this movie, but if it's called The Movie Critic, I'm pretty sure it's going to be like a everything-I-hate-about-Hollywood type of movie if it's coming from Tarantino. <laughs> well, sources describe the story as being set in late 1970s Los Angeles with a female lead at its center. We don't really have anything else about it. It doesn't have a studio, mm. so this is just what he's planning on working on. Okay. I'm interested, though, because T- Tarantino said for a long time he was going to make ten films, and I guess he counts Kill Bill as one film, which, hmm. I don't know, I've had, I still haven't sat through all, all of Kill Bill. Neither have I. 
But I have seen quite a few of his movies, not every single one of them. But the ones that I've seen, most of them I really like. Yeah, yeah. Reservoir Dogs is easily one of my favorites. Pulp Fiction isn't my favorite of his, but it's definitely got some of my favorite scenes of his. Right. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was just fantastic. Oh yeah, it's an amazing movie. like Jackie Brown a lot. <laughs> one of these days I'm gonna watch Django Unchained. I've never been able to finish Django Unchained. Ah. No, and it's very unfortunate, because, like, I know it's a good movie, and I almost always, like, enjoy what it is, but I don't quit or anything. I literally just go to bed. <laughs> Every time I've watched it, it's been, like, late at night. It's not even, like, I'm laying in my bed. I'll be laying in my chair in front of my desk, or sitting in my chair in front of my desk, and then it's like, why did I fall asleep in my chair? <laughs> movie's over i don't fall asleep during it but i've been having exactly the same problem trying to watch mission impossible 2 mm. it's not even bad it's just i have tried three different times to watch it now as part of my trying to catch up in time for whatever the next one is called dead reckoning i think so yeah i've been trying to catch up for in time for that and i keep trying on like i said three separate occasions to watch mission impossible 2 and it just has not panned out every single time it's like i'll get back to this later yeah, I cursed myself the last time for it, because the last time I actually, like, rented the movie digitally and all. It's oh, just, dear. Like, why... Yeah, it's like, why did I do this to myself? <laughs> yeah, if I rent a movie, I'm watching the movie. Mm -hmm. That's why I only have two Evil Dead films left to get through. Fair. The second one was good. <clears throat> I liked it. Looking forward <laughs> to the third one. This isn't about that, though. No, it is not. <laughs> I wonder if he's gonna. I wonder if he's actually gonna stick to it, and this is his last actual feature film. I I don't think he will personally. Huh. I mean, I don't know. I can see him doing it, but from what little I know about Quentin Tarantino, movies is literally his entire life. Kind of like how the only equivalent I can come up with is how I don't know if you've ever heard of a hip hop artist named Logic, but he's gone into retirement like I think it's like four times at this point. And he said multiple times he loves making music so much that every time he gets an idea, he's like, all right, I'm coming back out of retirement. <laughs> I don't think Tarantino is that level of loving his craft, but I would, I can see him being like, I have an idea for a movie. Fuck it, we're coming out of retirement to make this. <laughs> well, in the... And obviously everybody can change their minds. Nobody's beholden to anything. It's not like he has a contract with Satan saying, I will make ten films and no more. But mm -hmm. the Hollywood Reporter article that broke the details of this 10th and allegedly final film also included a quote from Tarantino to Playboy. And bear in mind, this is 2012, so this is a decade ago, so times do change. Yeah. But he did say, I want to stop at a certain point. Directors don't get better as they get older. Usually the worst films in their filmography are those last four at the end. I'm all about my mm. filmography, and one bad film Fs up three good ones. I don't want that bad, out-of-touch comedy in my filmography. The movie that makes people think, oh man, he still thinks it's 20 years ago. When directors mm. get out of date, it's not pretty. Which is fair. Very. Yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. But we'll see. Mm. And of course, that's nothing saying people can't make really good movies at the tail end of their career. Absolutely possible. Oh, of course. But it also has to be said, yeah, there's, there's something to be said for watching a movie going, oh man, I used to really love this guy's stuff, and now... <laughs> it's not the same anymore <laughs> and now we're here yes uh, got some director news oh boy after last week when we talked about comic pop and Tom King accidentally revealing that James Gunn is going to direct Superman Legacy mm -hmm. he confirmed it oh okay Neat. Yep. went on Twitter and had an actually pretty emotional story about it too oh okay here's, here's the full chain mm-hmm Yes, I'm directing Superman Legacy to be released on July 11, 2025. My brother Matt told me when he saw the release date he started to cry. I asked him why. He said, dude, it's dad's birthday. I hadn't realized. Oof. I lost my dad almost three years ago. He was my best friend. He didn't understand me as a kid, but he supported my love of comics and my love of film, and I wouldn't be making this movie now without him. It has been a mm. long road to this point. I was offered Superman years ago. I initially said no because I didn't have a way in that felt unique and fun and emotional that gave Superman the dignity he deserved. Then a bit less than a year ago I saw a way in, in many ways centering around Superman's heritage, how both his aristocratic Kryptonian parents and his Kansas farmer parents inform who he is and the choices he makes. 
so I chose to finally take on writing the script. But I was hesitant to direct, despite the constant pestering by Peter Safran and others to commit. Sorry, Peter. Mm. Just because I write something doesn't mean I feel it in my bones, visually and emotionally, enough to spend over two years directing it, especially not something of this magnitude. But the long and short of it is, I love this script, and I'm incredibly excited as we begin this journey. Hashtag up, up, and away. Yeah, that's a cool response. Yeah, no, that fills me with confidence, because he, he was asked before and said, no, I don't, I'm not really interested in Superman. Mm. But ha- having that in is important, I think. Having that connection where you think, yeah, this is... I can see a thing that makes me want to do this. It's not crucial, of course, because directing is a job. A man's got to eat, but yeah, it's always nice to see when there's a connection is there. I do like that he was at least self-aware enough to be like, because he probably realized like, okay, if I make a Superman movie, I'll probably like print money automatically. But he was self-aware enough to go like, I don't think any ideas I have are like really good enough for what I would want. So, or at least at the time. Right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with looking at a thing and saying, nah, it's not for me. Yeah, exactly. In other DC directing news, Ben Affleck is not going to be directing anything for the DC Universe, it sounds like. Oh, really? Yeah. Basically, he was talking with The Hollywood Reporter in an interview, and was talking about how absolutely exhausting making DC movies were. (laughs) I shouldn't find that funny. (laughs) But that's kind of funny to hear coming from Batman. (laughs) Yeah. So when talking about the Justice League experience, he said, the fact that those stories became somewhat repetitive to me and less interesting. Yeah, I did Mm. finally figure out how to play Batman and I nailed it in the flash. For the five minutes I'm there, it's really great. A lot of it's just tone. You got to figure out what's your version of the person. Who is the guy that fits what you can do? I tried to fit myself into a Batman And by the way, I like a lot of the stuff we did, especially the first one, which Batman v Superman. Justice League, you could teach a seminar on all the reasons why this is not how to do it. (laughs) Ranging from production, to bad decisions, to horrible personal tragedy, and just ending with the most monstrous taste in my mouth. The genius and the silver lining is that Zack Snyder eventually went to AT&T and was like, look, I can get you four hours of content, and it's principally just all the slow motion that he shot in black and white, and one day of shooting with me and him, he was like, do you want to come shoot in my backyard? I was like, I think there are unions, Zack. I think we have to make a deal. But I went and did it, and now Zack Snyder's Justice League is my highest rated movie on IMDb. Who gives a shit about IMDb? <laughs> Literally anybody can vote on IMDb. It doesn't mean jack shit. It's loaded with bots. Right. Anyways, uh, he then goes on, basically, the Justice League experience, the, the Joss Whedon reshoot bit. Hmm. But uh, the whole experience, but the Joss Whedon bit didn't help was basically the thing that got his alcoholism in gear. <laughs> this is a wild interview. Right? <laughs> it's like, so I I haven't listened to Ben Affleck interviews. Is he normally this snappy and sarcastic? I don't know. The only interview I remember is the one that, you know, the one that has the meme of Henry Cavill going on about Batman v Superman and the reviews and what have you, and meanwhile it's zooming in on Ben Affleck's face while Hello Darkness, My Old Friend starts playing. <laughs> and it's just, Ben... I agree. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wild-ass interview. It's this is very a wild entertaining. Ride. So, <laughs> yeah. anyways, the, the crux of it is, they then asked, so if DC came to you now and said, do you want to direct something, I would not direct something for the gun DC. Absolutely not. I have nothing against James Gunn. Nice guy, sure he's going to do a great job. I just wouldn't want to go in and direct in the way they're doing that. I'm not interested in that. Mm. Which, yeah, fair. It sounds like this is very producer driven yeah in the sense of we have a goal we still want creative decisions but you can't basically kind of the same reason edgar wright had to leave the first ant-man movie where by the time he was ready to step in it was a case of okay the universe is now in a different spot and you can't make this because it's completely disconnected and won't actually fit and i get not wanting to play with that Hmm. but it is a shame because he is a good filmmaker but I 100% also understand, don't don't get in that headspace again. You do, yeah. you do what's healthy for you, man. I agree with that fully, but I also have to say there's something commendable and very funny about him going, oh, like the Justice League? You could have a whole seminar on what not to do with that movie. It's like, damn. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like, what? It, no, no sense not saying it. Yeah, no, it's just, it's, it's scathing coming from him. <laughs> and then in actually pretty huge Marvel Studios news. 
Okay. Victoria Alonso has exited the company after working with them for 17 years. Jesus. Yeah, she's been an executive producer on pretty much every film since The Avengers. In 2021, she was made president of physical and post-production visual effects and animation production. Hmm. So she's been... She, she's been huge on the visual effects side of things. Okay. Details are unclear as to why she's leaving, so there is there there's a lot that could be said about this, mm. and I hate to pile on, but it is worth noting, Marvel Studios, among other places, have come under fire for shoddy treatment of VFX workers. Mm. basically a case of and it's it's one of those things where a lot of the blame is VFX vendors, the people who outsource it right? and Marvel isn't necessarily any more or less guilty of it than anybody else who's guilty of it, but it is a case of because they're one of the leading studios in this one, if they wanted to help change things, they could put their foot down yeah, they would lose the least probably if it if it went awry trying to help these people yeah. Hmm. And it's also worth noting that a lot of the effects in these more recent showings have come under fire. Yeah. Some of it's exaggerated. Some of it, like the floating head in Thor Love and Thunder, is not. <laughs> Fair. There, there are some points in Quantumania where you can really feel the soundstage of it all. Yeah, yeah. But this is huge, because she's been with them since 2006. Yeah, I didn't realize... How I mean, unfortunately, this is one of those deals where because I'm not as in, into it um, to the extent that you are, I was like, "Who is this?" And then it's like 17 years. Like, okay, whoever they are is probably someone who's very instrumental to these movies if they've been there for that long. Yeah, it seems like there's some shakeups going on now, and mm. I'm not uh, I'm not worried in the sense of I don't suddenly think the MCU is going to collapse, but we can expect some changes. Yeah, it's it's still not a great outlook objectively. And I don't think I don't think the last two years have been as terrible as a lot of internet doomsayers like to say. I hate I hate the superhero fatigue people so goddamn much because now they're just pointing at Ant Man and we'll get to the other one and going, Ah, see, we were right. The bubble's bursting and it's like, You fuckers have been calling this since two thousand and thirteen. For a solid decade, you've been jumping up and down going, this is the point where people get sick of it. You don't get to say that you're right now after ten years. Mm. You play the odds long enough, eventually you're going to hit the lottery. Or die. Right. Or die. <laughs> <laughs> One or the other. Mm. Should we get into trailer time? Sure. All right. Well, we got a couple trailers this week. One of which we actually saw in front of Shazam, and that is Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. I feel like you had more fun with that one than I did. Okay, I'll be perfectly honest. Mm. I'm mostly just into this for the name, and the fact mm. that the villain is just Ariel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point it's just like, okay, that's, that's Ariel, like, through and through. Just a redhead, seemingly teenage, enchanting mermaid. Yeah. It's it's just, it's it's Ariel. I know her name's, yeah. what was it, Chelsea or something? Something like that, yeah. Who cares? It, it's goddamn Ariel. Other yeah. than that, other than mm. that, this looks pretty generic. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of does the whole thing as well. The, the, the trailer sin of giving away basically how everything's going to go for the most part in the trailer, too. And the, I'm not a big fan of the listing powers in the trailer montage. Yeah, no. Especially because, as you said, that contributes to the feel of giving everything away. I have laser eyes? Yeah, that's pretty yeah. awesome. It's like, yeah. I beg your why? pardon? <laughs> why, why does a Kraken have laser eyes? That is actually overpowered. <laughs> I get body armor, I get super speed, I get camouflage. Where do the laser eyes come in? What needs it's lasering like, at the bottom of the ocean? I mean, are these, like, Krakens from, from Krypton? Kraktonians? Kraktonians. Kryptons? <laughs> Crackalactonians. Crackalactonians. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, now I'm just imagining Superman with a squid for a head. <laughs> it's Super Squid. Something, something, I don't know, laser poison ink or something like that. Wait, Cryptinklings. Cryptink. Oh. It's Superman <laughs> X Splatoon. 
Oh no, no! I'm here. I'm here, to, I'm here for truth, justice, and booyah, booyah. No, God Almighty! I'm getting PTSD from the time I was just trying to look up information about Splatoon, and I got met with the internet. Oh, you poor <laughs> bastard! You should have known. <laughs> you should have known better. God, people are disgusting. Yeah, they are. <laughs> uh. So yeah, I, I guess I'll still. It's DreamWorks, so. I, I still have hope. Yes. Yeah. They're not bulletproof, but they've got... You don't make the Shrek movies and the Kung Fu Panda movies and Megamind mm-hmm. and not know what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there's something else obvious that I'm missing. I mean, hell, they made Rotel Dorado. Oh, they did, didn't they? Yeah, and Prince of Egypt. Mm-hmm. That's neither here nor there, because those are, those are ancient times, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> We only got one more for trailer time, so let's get cracking. Shut up. <laughs> Joyride! <laughs> I watched the Red Band trailer. I don't know about you. Oh, there was a Red Band trailer? <laughs> yeah, okay, so I guess we saw two different trailers for this. Yeah, no. I mean, mine was... Mine was, at a certain point, I was just like, how is this not a Red Band trailer? Mostly f- through some of the the lines, especially like with the bit at the end where they pretend to be case pop stars. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Yeah, is she here now? <laughs> this looks like a delight. It does look like a delight. I don't know if I'm like super into it, but it does look like fun. At oh least. yeah. Now you're all drug dealers, bitches. bitches. I'm like, it's like I don't think how that. Okay, I guess we're just gonna keep going with that. <laughs> no, this looks like a riot. This looks mm-hmm. like. I, I, I like the bit, just the bit at the very start when the one kid on the playground fires off the racist remark and gets punched in the face. It's just like, can you be my best friend? <laughs> it's can like, we just become best friends? Hell yeah. It's like, oh, that's great. That's really great. <laughs> what a time. Hmm. There's that. There's the drug dealer bit. There's the near the start with the, with the family doing the hug and they just say sandwich and then the friend looks over. White people. <laughs> I was just like, all right, I, I'm just confused. And you're like, oh, there we go. <laughs> I mean, there was a point where it's just like, even though I, like, I'm not trying to throw shade with this, but I'm like, okay, what is this movie and who is this for? And then it pops up with produced by Seth Rogen. It's like, oh, there we go. <laughs> yep. yep, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does still look like a very good time. I just realized I did not actually bother to figure out when either of these are coming out. Well, I think for the Ruby Gilman one, it's all it said so far is coming out this summer. Uh, June 30th, apparently. Oh, okay. And then Joyride is... Oh, wait, it's mm. already out? Wait, seriously? What the fuck? Oh, no, okay, it had its world premiere at SXSW on March 17th, oh. but it's being released in the United States on July 7th. Okay. Oh, okay. I was about to be like, son of a bitch, have I been bamboozled again? <laughs> Is this the new is this the new bamboozle now that I've broken the little mermaid curse? <laughs> now I'm just getting trailers for movies that are already out and being like, yeah, new trailer! Why is everybody laughing? That would be unfortunate. Uh The box office numbers have spoken. Oh boy. We did in fact see the highest grossing movie domestically this weekend. Woo But it doesn't mean much. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Shazam Fury of the Gods only took in $30.5 million domestically this weekend, and it's only sitting at $65.5 million worldwide. Oof. And that's against a $100 million budget. Ooh. Well, that's not encouraging. No, this is getting hammered, which I think is very unfair. Yeah, no. And there's a lot of factors at play. I think we'll get a bit more into it during the review proper. Mm-hmm. But oh, that's 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 sad. Y- yeah. Second place, we've got Scream Six. Took in seventeen point mm. five million dollars domestically this weekend. It's sitting at roughly seventy six million dollars domestic total. Hundred sixteen million dollars worldwide. So, hooray for Scream. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't bad. Yeah, uh, I mean, fair. And with a budget of roughly thirty three to thirty five million, it's making its money. So. Mm-hmm. Good for it. Third place is Creed 3, $15.3 million domestically this weekend. It's sitting at $127.6 million domestic, $224.2 million worldwide. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also Very a good. good one. 
fourth place, 65. It is at 5.8 million domestically this weekend for a 22.4 million dollar domestic total and 38.8 million dollars worldwide. And then in fifth place, rounding off this box office weekend into a disappointment sandwich, it's Ant Man and the Wasp, Two Quantumanius. Jesus Christ, oof. Took in $4 million domestically this weekend, it is sitting at $205.8 million domestic total, $462.6 million worldwide. With a budget of allegedly $200 million, it has broken even, but that's still under either of the other two Ant-Man movies. Yeah, it's a very small profit. <laughs> God uh, damn it. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's really sad to see. <laughs> Accidental puns galore. <laughs> yeah. Not entirely undeserved, I guess, but mm. still. Anyways, let's talk Shazam. Let's talk Shazam. I like this a lot. It was very good. I don't understand the I don't understand the critic score. Yeah, no, I because like I was thinking about that while we were watching it. Because usually like there's for movies that have a major disconnect between like critic score and audience score because like what the critic score is fifty five percent right now on Rotten Tomatoes, but the audience score is eighty five. Usually, at least for me, it's like at least somewhat decent, to, easy to see at least one or two things where it's like, okay, I get it. And this one, I'm like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> this is not demonstrably worse than the first Shazam. No, not at all. I would say it's a, it's on basically the same level. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I can see a couple points where it falters, but I don't know. I think the increased family action is good. Yeah. Plus, the, the fights are a little more spectacular. Mm-hmm. Anyways, let, let's, get into the, let's get into the basics of it. So, it's been about two years since the first Shazam, and about four years in real lifetime, because thanks, COVID. Mm-hmm. But the Batson... The, not the Batson family, the, the Vasquez family is the better mm-hmm. way to put it. It's so hard yes. to do when everybody has their own last name. But <laughs> the Shazamily... I called them the that in the last Poorly Explained Comics. It was sitting right there. It was sitting right there. I stumbled over that whole stupid thing. Mm. Anyways, go watch Poorly Explained Comics. But the Shazamily has been running around making a name for themselves as superheroes. They're called the Philadelphia Fiascos. Not that they acknowledge it. Right. And then three characters called the Daughters of Atlas show up. Apparently they are Atlas's actual blood daughters who... Want revenge because apparently the Council of Wizards stole the powers of the gods. Hmm. <laughs> and their realm is dying or something, and they need the power back. But some of them have more sinister motives than others. And one of them was apparently supposed to be a secret. <laughs> despite being given away in a bunch of marketing and shit. Mm. I don't understand. <laughs> it's it's not supposed to make sense. It's just, it's, don't think about it too much. <laughs> anyway, I, I like this a lot. Mm. There's not as much Billy Batson in this one. No, like, okay, yeah, like, most of the time we see him, he is as Shazam. There's not a lot of him just being Billy. And Shazam's a lot zanier than Billy. Hmm. Which is not bad, but we could have used more Billy to balance it out or had more Billy acting a little zany. Yeah, yeah. I like the new thing of the guy who spent so much time pushing people away is now attached enough that he's getting a little too clingy and it's pissing everybody off. <sighs> I think that's actually a... that That's a nice way to keep a conflict going between characters without retreading the exact same ground, you know? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. There's... They do a little too much dunking on Billy for as much of a... for as much of a goofish as Am is in this movie. Mm-hmm. There's, there's too many times where somebody's giving him gall and it's like, no, no, that's not fair. Like, the whole... The wizard blames him for the whole reason this is happening. He's like, you could have told him. Yeah. And also, yeah, and. (laughs) You could have at least pointed him to the instruction manual on your way out, Mr. Wizard. The wizard's alive, by the way. I don't think that's a spoiler because, well, the trailers gave it away. The trailer gave it away, yeah. Also, like, the main catalyst for the movie, like, everyone's mad at him. I was like, okay, no, because, like, at the time of things that happened... Everything happened with the best information that was available, so no, guys. (laughs) Yeah, the Daughters of Atlas are an interesting addition, but I'll admit I'm I'm, I'm still kind of irked that they didn't use, I don't know, literally anybody from the comics. (laughs) 
I guess kind of the problem is that they were... I, I guess the problem is they wanted something Greek god adjacent, but Wonder Woman already established they were all dead. Okay. <laughs> but this movie also kind of contradicts what happened to them, so... Hmm. It, it kind of feels like it doesn't matter. And really, you shouldn't be trying so hard to tie it into the broader DCEU when that's on its way out anyway. Not that... To, to be fair, when they were making the movie, it's not like it was established, hey, we're kind of going for a semi-foolish kind of reboot sort of thing, maybe, potentially. So maybe don't try to tie yourself in too much. Because I feel mm -hmm. like where this film weighs itself down the most is in connecting itself to the rest of the DCU. Mm. I'll get more into that one in spoilers, but... You know what? Actually, the trailer spoiled this one too, so I'll just say it. Wonder Woman being in this movie hurts this movie. Yes, it does. I'll go into more details later, but suffice to say, she did not need to be there, and she actively kind of weighs it down. Y yeah, she she does, and and also creates a little, at least for me, some confu a confusing moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so really, th this <sighs> this is a seven out of ten movie with a two out of ten ending. Is the big problem with it? I mean, I would give it eight out of ten, but also still two out of ten ending, no question. But. Freddy, so Freddy's a standout. Oh, Freddy steals the show quite often. <laughs> Freddy and Darla both kind of take it. Mm-hmm. Mary's also good. Mm-hmm. Eugene and Pedro really don't get all that much. I imagine it's probably, like, one of the bad things about trying to balance, like, what is it, like, seven main characters? Yeah. And then give them, like, equal, like, weight um, within the movie, so... It's unfortunate, but I also kind of get it as well. Yeah. Yeah, no, but this still has a lot of the heart to it. It's still funny. It's still got mm. some really good superhero action stuff. Nothing, like, super fancy choreography-wise, but there's some really creative uses of magic here. Mm -hmm. A burning violin. <laughs> <laughs> still don't get that. Still do not understand that at all. <laughs> I, I don't know either. Shazam's got a lot of shit going on. Mm. And I, like I've said before, I'm not as much of a DC person. F fair. I'm sorry. That has to be a reference to something. I just, I just want Mr. Mind. Damn it. Mm. Okay. So, quick caveat, just because I, I just looked it up just now. Apparently, the whole burning violin thing is a reference to a comic book henchman named Nero, who apparently had a fiddle that caused buildings to burn down. That's not a. That's not just a comic reference. That's Nero, <laughs> the emperor. Oh! The guy who fiddled while Rome burned! Oh. Are you saying he did that? Shit! <laughs> I want a keyboard that electrocutes people! Where do I get one of those? <laughs> I'll take piano lessons. Mm. Imagine just starting to play the... Da-da-da-da! Da-da-da-da! And then all of a sudden, lightning strikes. Is that why the lightning keeps on hitting our house? <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was good. It also feels like the foster parents were kind of sort of sidelined on this one yeah just a little bit right well right until the moment that it mattered i suppose yeah and at least you know what i will say it feels like having not seen the first shazam in a minute it felt like mm -hmm. victor had more to do in the first one but rosa got a little more to do in this one which is nice yeah there's a really it's it's not given a lot of time but it's given enough time decently emotional subplot going on there mm -hmm. darla abducts a kitten <laughs> Is that a kitten? No. It's like, it's like, oh shit, she actually learned how to lie. <laughs> uh, what a time. Oh, yes. I would say, yeah, she learned how to keep a secret, but that's not really keeping a secret. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't understand why this one is do. Uh, okay, there. so part of the reason... I shouldn't say I don't understand, because I do understand. Part of the reason is the film had almost no marketing. Mm. And the marketing we got wasn't great and gave away probably too much of the movie. Oh, uh, fair, yeah. But also there's the problem of the first Shazam did good, but it didn't do great. So you really kind of had to strike while the iron was hot, and all the pushbacks while they sorted out their stupid bullshit didn't help, because now you're at a point where you're kind of losing the thing that made the Shazam franchise unique, which is that all the actors are kids because they're all aging up. Big surprise. Yeah, yeah human beings tend to do that. <laughs> yeah, so that hurt it. I don't know how much the impending reboot matters, because at the end of the day, 
I feel like general audiences don't really care about the interconnected bullshit. But on the flip side, when the film is dropping that is connected to other stuff, like the Wonder Woman thing... I was gonna say, like, well, I'm pretty sure we'll both get to it in the spoiler section, but there's a portion of... There's a thing about that that pissed me off because of it probably not mattering in the long run. <laughs> is it one of the post-credits? Uh, no. Oh, well, y- well, yeah, Well, yes, that too, but that's not the main thing. <laughs> oh, well, I can't wait to hear this one. <laughs> Uh, one thing I will say that's not spoilery, uh, the costume designer is a plural, presumably. I don't know how many there were. They know what's up. They know what's important. Yeah. If you know, no, you know. You know. And oh, if you God. don't know, I'm not explaining it. I don't gotta justify myself to you or anybody. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ugh. We got anything else that's not spoilery? Nothing I can think of other than go see the movie. Yeah, no, definitely go see it. It's not perfect, but you know what? And I, I feel bad for dunking on Ant-Man so much when I still liked Ant-Man well enough, but mm-hmm. there are some things in Ant-Man that make it really easy, so you know what? Here's the thing I'll say about Shazam, and I mean this as the ultimate compliment relative to Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. Shazam! Fury of the Gods feels like a Shazam sequel. Yeah, no, I will agree with that. It feels like an actual proper follow-up to the movie that came before it, and not some weird deviation trying to make it seem more important slash introduce the broader meta plot. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. props to that. Thank you. Because I, I went into this wanting to see another Shazam movie, and that's what I got. A lot more focused. Still kind of rough around the edges, but the the first one also wasn't, like, it wasn't a masterpiece. It was a really good, fun movie. Yeah. But this tracks, but it doesn't matter. It's a good movie. Go see mm-hmm. it. Please, it's it deserves to do way better than it's doing. Yeah, it, it very much does. And John Wick's coming up next, so it's it, it needs it needs all the help it can get. Oh yeah, John Wick is next. And week. then Dungeons oh, and Dragons, and then Super Mario. This movie's getting buried. <laughs> can you imagine oh, how bad this would have done if they put it up against Avatar? Oh, I don't think bad would even be in the same like zip code for this movie. <laughs> Five million dollars. <laughs> what domestic worldwide? Ah, uh, oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, man. So if you don't want to be spoiled on Shazam! Fury of the Gods, click away in 3, 2, 1. Mm. That motherfucking Skittles commercial. <laughs> the Skittles product placement in this movie is, as far as things I can remember, some of, if not the most aggressive product placement I have, I have ever seen. Like, it's one thing to just have, like, your product to be front and center used by a character. It's another thing for your product to be a central plot device in the movie. <laughs> yeah, so for those who don't know, there's a bit where they need to tame some unicorns, which apparently are not the friendly <laughs> ponies of myth and legend. They're vicious beasts. They are very vicious beasts. They can only yes. be tamed with ambrosia or something. So Darla gets the idea of, oh, I know what's basically like. Sweet honey brought down from the gods itself. Skittles! And it's great because it's like they find a unicorn and the unicorn starts running at Darla at as she calls out to it. Like, very clearly ready to fuck her up. And then it's just a slow-mo shot of her with her big adorable smile just throwing Skittles out at the unicorn. The unicorn going, Skittles? Like, oh, not got literally. That good shit? Yeah, it's like, not literally saying Skittles. It was like just a complete change in like face and demeanor and all that. It's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm so incensed because I made a taste the rainbow joke and then not five minutes later they're riding the unicorns and Darla goes, taste the rainbow, motherfucker. And, and then it gets censored by the unicorn. But, God, I was so mad. Yes, yeah, so I feel like they could have gotten away with that because the movie's PG-13. I know they don't really drop F-bombs in superhero movies, but that could have been their one F-bomb. <laughs> I wonder if it might have been made worse by the standards and practices because it was a child. Mm, that could be it. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know. Makes me sad, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Uh, that's, that is, in fact, the director's uh, partner who was in the car listening to I Need a Hero at the opening. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. She was also the scientist in the first Shazam, the one who was working for Dr. Savannah and then got fucking turned to ash by the Rock of Eternity door. Oh, God. Man, she can't catch a break. (laughs) Hey, at least she lived this time. That's true. (laughs) So, it it turns out that the thing that 
is causing the Daughters of Atlas to be able to wreak havoc now is that Billy broke the staff in the first Shazam. Because apparently that was maintaining the barrier that was keeping the God Realm sealed up. But it's like, well, what the fuck else is he supposed to do? Shazam, Savannah was going to take the fucking Shazam power. You didn't tell yeah. him, don't break the staff. Yeah, and that's the thing, too. Like, everyone's like, or at least Shazam, the original wizard, is giving him shit for it. I'm like, no, that's the best thing he could have done at the time. Because, again, you didn't exactly give him a tutorial about how to do things. You could have put, a, you could put like, a sticky note on the Rock of Attorney saying, in case of emergency, do not break staff. <laughs> Man. Hmm. There's a lot of, as, as the foster parents put it, uh, what is it with our sons and older women? Because... <laughs> You got you got Billy crushing really hard on Wonder Woman, and then you got Freddy falling head over heels for Rachel Zegler's character, who turns out gasped. She's one of the she's one of the daughters of Atlas. Boy, <laughs> the movie sure tried to spin that as a surprise, despite it having been announced ages ago. <laughs> mm, I don't know how I missed that. In all honesty, I don't know how you missed it either. <laughs> no, either that or it was one of those things where I did see it, but it just completely like left my brain before seeing the movie. Still, we got Rachel Zegler. We got. Lucy Liu, we got Helen Mirren. What a mm. what an absolute bunch of knockout performances. Oh yes, a wonderful cast of individuals. So uh. it turns out she's six thousand <laughs> years old. Which uh, once she and then she and Freddie have a kiss, and it, the parents rightfully point out something. I don't know if I'm okay with this. Which yeah, you know what? Fair. That's completely fair. It's like yeah, this seems really inappropriate. <laughs> All of a sudden, this is this is kind of icky. Bad touch, Anthea. There's a lot of great quotables in this movie. Oh, definitely. Yeah, things like that. Things like Shazam trying to... Because Helen Mirren's character gets betrayed by Lucy Liu and gets stabbed in the middle of the chest. And then Shazam goes back to try and resuscitate her. Does it once. He's about to do it again. She's like, no, please, let me like go through the gates of hell in peace. Or something along those lines. It's like, alright. <laughs> this is real like, inside baseball stuff. Yeah, and it's like, I feel that energy too. <laughs> It's like, no, please just let me be miserable in peace, I swear. <laughs> Freddy really is a standout in this, standing up to Calypso's weird chaos mind control thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, uh, I forget, you've seen at least the first episode of Peacemaker, right? Um, yes, I don't remember a lot of it, though. You remember the janitor who Peacemaker was talking to when he was getting discharged? I believe so, yeah. That's the museum guide. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that poor bastard. Called it from the first <laughs> moment. That guy went to MIT. <laughs> I guess he decided to turn his life around, and then he got killed by the Daughters of Atlas. Most likely what it actually was, was they probably cast him in that probably before Peacemaker happened. Fair. Oh, that's unfortunate. <laughs> or at least unfortunate for his characters. It did tear me up a little bit, the subplot of, I knew it was coming, but the whole thing of Billy calling Rose a mom. Oh yeah, no, that was, that was very sweet. Saw it happening, but as, as soon as it... <laughs> She's like, I want to see my Billy, and then he transforms back and says, oh, here we go, here we go. It's gonna be the, you got it, Mom. Says it anyway. Oh, God, there it goes anyway. I don't know what it says about me, but after that, like, when that happened, was, my brain was mostly like, that's super sweet, I'm glad that that happened, and then in the back of my head, I'm like, he's so dead. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, I feel like I'm jumping all around here. Hmm. Wonder Woman. I feel like this is one of those things where we're, we're, we're both mad and hate it, but for different reasons. <laughs> so, an interesting thing that I looked up, what, what, one thing is, Wonder Woman's technically in the movie twice. The first time is just in a dream Billy's having where they're on a date or something, I guess, but we don't see her face, and then she turns around and it's Shazam because he's trying to give Billy a warning. <laughs> um, was it ever said if that Wonder Woman scene, was that still Gal Gadot? No, that was Taylor Cahill, who they used as a stand-in. Okay. <laughs> And apparently, uh, David F. Sandberg said, we only did that scene because we knew we could get Gal Gadot for later in the movie. Because after the Superman bit, if we'd done it a second time, everybody would have been mad and never would have forgiven us. And I can't help but think, and granted, benefit of hindsight, and also I hate what you actually did, but... <laughs> no offense, because I still love this movie for the most part. Yes. I feel like that would have actually been a really funny running gag. Like, superheroes keep showing up in the Shazam movie, but you never see their face. Mm. And also, honestly, that would make blending into a post-reboot world a little bit easier, depending on who gets recast. Yeah, honestly. Because then it could be like, oh no, it wasn't that Wonder Woman, it was, it was the other one. It was the new Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah, it was the new one. Never mind that it's the same armor. And as long as you don't see the face, 
It could be somebody completely different. It's a new 52 Wonder Woman. I don't know. <laughs> so, so okay. So, the whole movie, they just keep bringing up Wonder Woman. Billy brings up the idea of contacting her, and they seemingly never do anything with it. And then at the end of the movie, Billy fucking dies. <laughs> there is no embellishment or anything. He literally fucking dies. And I'm going somewhere with this. this. That was not just a veer off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> they bury him in the god realm and everything and they have a discussion about oh can't can't we do anything can't we recharge the staff again and the wizard shazam says no because all the old gods are dead there's no one left to ignite the spark of the staff and then diana just out of nowhere is just like there's still one god and then god i cannot express <laughs> i cannot fucking express how much i hate the goddamn wonder woman scene. <laughs> And it's not the theme itself that I hate, it's the refusal to do anything with it. It's the refusal to change it. It's that whenever she shows up, somebody just starts screeching <laughs> on a fucking guitar. It's it's almost never actually appropriate for the scene that it's in. Because it's too hardcore, it's too edgy, it's too fucking intense. So, there's this moment where everybody's sad and despairing and trying to bring Billy back and nobody knows how, and then... <laughs> and it would be one... You could take those same notes and just play them on different instruments and it would probably be fine and get the same goddamn message across. But that song is awful. This was the one time where... Because I normally don't like hate the wonder woman theme or have any major issues with it but i did not like it at all and this this use was really bad because it is just the mind-blowing justification justification mispronouncing words of having that song playing loud as fuck at the funeral for a dead teenager like imagine <laughs> if it had all gone of his family grace in a <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> you think that theme music just follows her everywhere? Probably. <laughs> so in a literal deus ex machina, Wonder Woman recharges the staff, restoring power to the god realm, and bringing Billy back from the grave, and apparently this all happened because he managed to send her a magic message off screen that we never saw him do or hint at. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, because she says it. I got your message, and earlier in the film, Billy was like, "Does this work on demigods?" Okay, all right, I'm a little less mad now because originally, for whatever reason, I thought my brain—I thought she said it's like I'd seen what you guys were up to, and then my brain went, "Then why the fuck weren't you helping?" Presumably because <laughs> of the dome. Fair, fair. It's still dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's still dumb, and Wonder Woman feels horrifically inconsistent from the other movies we've seen her in. Like, she's much more flippant, much more... Th th Shazam's still trying to put the moves on her, and she just turns around and goes, stick to saving the world, kid. And it's like, that is not something this Diana would... If she, if she wasn't talking like that by the time of Justice League, she's not gonna start now. It felt very phoned in, but that portion was only really saved by um, the mom going, what is it with our boys and older women? <laughs> That made me mad. And, yeah, this movie would work so much better if it was completely disconnected from the DCU. So, actually, part of that, I think, is is the reason why I said I didn't like it for mostly similar, but for a very different reason. Because it's like, when they actually... For me, it's like, I, I wasn't crazy about that, because it took away the consequence of Billy being dead, which... Now, don't get me wrong, I am not advocating for, like, dead fucking teenagers in movies. Well... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But it, <laughs> but it is a thing of like it's established that, that I mean, granted, we don't know like the full full plans. We don't know like what if anything they have planned for Shazam. They don't even know, probably. Yeah, but it's like if they've been talking how much about all this stuff about how Flash is going to, you know, basically do a hard reset on this overall story of the movies. It's like okay, you guys can get away with Billy being dead. Because it probably doesn't fucking mean anything in the long run. I feel like, like that might have been too much of a downer ending for a movie that already has quite a few downer things happen. Mm. Don't get me wrong, I'd love Def to have some permanence. But mm, I yeah. don't think Billy was where they were going to do it. Like, I knew it was a matter of how, not if, but... I mean, 
I was so originally I was thinking that he was gonna be like when they first showed his body like in the destroyed baseball stadium. I thought, okay, so this is the part where they're gonna there's gonna be some ridiculous way for him to come back up, and then it is just everyone like calling to him and no response, and the movie just like showing like yeah he's actually dead. It's like, oh shit! All right, there's some consequences here. Damn, I didn't think they would do that. Fuck me. What? No, sorry. Go ahead. I just had a thought. Okay. <laughs> It's like, I I understand the whole thing and like maybe not wanting to keep that because it's too much of a downer, but at least for me, I was like, alright, I have to be honest. It's a major downer, but I'm impressed that they're keeping that. Like, I'm impressed that that's going to be like a permanent consequence because, again, this probably won't mean anything in the long run. And then Diana comes and it's like, ah, fuck. <laughs> Bring some Dragon Ball Z's his ass. <laughs> you know what they could have done instead? Mm. They could have had the wizard do it. Huh. There's a literal fucking wizard! <laughs> That's right! <laughs> who, as Freddy puts it, casts no spells, has no potions, <laughs> no equipment. What kind of a fucking wizard is he? <laughs> that's a good That's a good point, you actually. You could have just as easily had a bit where he gives up his life force in the realm of the gods in order to give life back to his champion. Hmm. Fuck! That's a good point, actually. I didn't think about that. It was right there the whole time! And instead, <laughs> and this is where I would put my self-sacrifice. If, if I, I had, had one. one. <laughs> oh, man. Mm. And then the post-credit scenes just kind of hammered in because both of them were kind of lame. Yeah, I mean, I, I know this one doesn't mean anything, or at least I hope it doesn't mean anything, but. Billy being recruited to the Justice Society is just kind of like, oh, please, no. Like, actually leave him the fuck alone. <laughs> he did turn it down, to be fair. Did he? Once he found out it wasn't the Justice League. Oh, fair. I did love the little bit at the end uh, during that where he's like, why do you guys have two s teams named with Justice? Doesn't that confuse people? I'm like, all right, as someone who doesn't read the comics and tries to pick, and I mean, yes, I know it's my fault, but as someone who doesn't read the comics and tries to learn things off of like seeing what people talk about and reading the wiki and reading and watching your series of poorly explained comics, Cody, I, <laughs> uh -huh. I, I feel this. Very much so. I'm like, yes, preach. <laughs> this feels like one of those things that's there to just tease enough, just there to tease the Shazam Black Adam showdown we should have gotten, but won't because The mm. Rock thinks he's a bigger shit than he is. Yeah. And wanted to fight Superman instead. <laughs> well, gee, Dwayne, if you wanted that, maybe you should have put your name in the running for Lex Goddamn Luther. <sighs> and not. I don't know, Shazam's arch enemy. Dwayne Johnson being Lex Luthor actually does sound kind of cool. You know, you could do worse. Yeah. <laughs> they did do worse. <laughs> we had Jesse Eisenberg. Not that he's a worse yeah. actor, but he was a worse... He's a worse Lex Luthor than I could possibly imagine Dwayne Johnson being. That's... yeah. Shit. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> That's how Dwayne Johnson gets recast into the rebooted DC Universe. The problem there is, I wouldn't want to see Lex Luthor in a, in a Superman movie for a long time now, because almost every Superman movie uses him. Fair. I want some new shit. I want Metallo, I want fucking Mr. Mixie's Pitlick, I want Parasite, I want Livewire, I want Toy Man. I'll take Brainiac. Wait, Livewire, the, the, the bootleg site? <laughs> no. <laughs> Livewire the shock jock given electrical powers. Oh my god, ah. she's a shock jock with electrical powers. Fuck me. I'm pretty sure that was her career prior to getting. Mm. Anyways! <laughs> Speaking of villains who probably should have been in movies, mm. the second post credit scene has the gall to tease Mr. Mind again! With zero payoff. Zero payoff, except, oh yeah, our plan's almost ready. I just gotta do one more thing. It's like, you know, fuck you. No, I was expecting them to like turn up at some point in the movie because like they they've got to have something going on, right? And then that happened. I was like, oh come on. <laughs> you weren't even guaranteed a second one of these. You certainly aren't guaranteed a third. Yeah, no. You might as well have just left it out entirely if it sounds like you're not getting to do it again. Mm. It also sounds like David Sandberg, the director, might be done with these because he said after six six straight years of Shazam. 
I'm looking forward to doing anything else. I've kind of had my fill of superheroics, and I want to get back to horror and some other things. And it's like, you know what? Fair. Yeah, I can't blame him for that. But how fucking <laughs> dare you drop another Mr. Mind to you if, like, that means anything? <laughs> I should have known. The fir- After the first Shazam, I was freaking out going, I never thought they would do Mr. Mind. Turns out, they probably never will. Mm. Fuck. Big sad. And as much as, I- as much as I'm ranting and raving about the ending of this movie, I still liked it a lot! Yes. No, like, like, make no mistake, people. We still like this movie a lot. We still think this movie's great. Just the last, like, 20-ish minutes, like, 15-ish minutes, if you're counting the post-credit scenes, too, did put a damper on things. And it sucks, because, like, I feel like that's gonna be what stands out to me the most about this movie, because, unfortunately, the ending being the last thing you see means it's usually the thing that tends to stick with you better. Yes. But there's so much other good shit in this. Exploring the Rock of Eternity, Steve the Pen, the... <laughs> Steve the Pen. What is this, Gatorade? <laughs> is it a weapon? Helen Mirren reading that wonderful letter that they sent her in the most Helen Mirren way possible. And they never <laughs> proofread it. Nah, Steve's got it. <laughs> no, like, that whole bit where she's just, like, reading the letter, I'm like, this, this is why this woman is wonderful. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Got anything else for Shazam? I did. It's such a small detail, but I did very much like how... Who's the video game one again? Eugene. Eugene. When he's going through the doors, he puts ESRB ratings on all the doors. Yeah. That was a nice touch. It's a very small detail, but I'm like, I like that. (laughs) That was good. (laughs) I mean, yeah, anything else I can think of are just, like, really, like, small things that like I enjoyed but don't really mean anything in the grand scheme of thing like the whole doors thing or the proofreading the letter honestly like a lot of stuff to do with Steve <laughs> how does Anthea know about the Canadian girlfriend that's a good question huh I mean she's been around for like 6,000 years she's probably seen some shit yeah but a good chunk of that was spent sealed in a bubble oh fair fair huh Freddie really pulled the Canadian girlfriend yeah, oh, Colette did. and I, we're, we're not exclusive. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. You know the crazy thing? I went this whole movie and didn't even, this whole thing and didn't even mention the dragon. <laughs> the dragon really did seem kind of inconsequential. Yeah, it did a little bit. Although the dragon also, to kind of give more props to Freddy, the dragon also like really showed how much willpower Freddy has. Oh, hell yeah. Freddy's a G. Yeah, no. I, I want to very much reiterate, this man stole the show. Like, literally, like, faced off against a dragon. I, I, the dragon that literally permeates fear in its breath. I feel like because he's like, no, the thing I fear the most is Anne getting killed. You so think it would like, be losing sh- his family, but yeah, yeah, dead family, dead girlfriend, tomato, tomato. <laughs> he's a high school boy. Cut him some slack. <laughs> yeah, I'll cut him a little bit. It's Rachel's egg, or I'll cut him some slack. <laughs> So I think that wraps it up for Shazam Fury of the Gods. Uh, yeah, go see it. Please go see it. 100% it's go see it. It's a good time. It. If I have time, I'll go see it again. I don't know if I'm going to mm. have time, but oh, boy. Yeah, not especially not with John Wick on the horizon. No, definitely. And with that, I didn't want to add this in the news section, but uh, I do just want to say RIP to Lance Reddick, who was confirmed mm. dead at 61 of natural causes. Yes, very sad news to come across. Great actor. One of the few people to make Eric Andre flinch on the uh, Tim and Eric show. Or whichever one it was. <laughs> but more importantly, more importantly, by all accounts, really great human being. Yes. There's been one of the things I've been seeing pop up in my respective feeds are like pictures and videos of people. Because he's, like he's like one of the main characters in Destiny. Mm. And people are like taking pictures and posing with his character. And I've and, like, just them and their buddies, like, guarding him and, like, protecting him and all that. That's a really cool thing to, like, see, like, just all the areas that this guy touched. Apparently was also a regular player of Destiny. Yeah! <laughs> and, like, played with other people and all that, so... Hell, he was in Oz, he was in Lost, mm. Bosch, mm. and, of course, he was Karen in the John Wick franchise. Yes. So... So, absolutely, just, uh, what a miserable loss. Yeah, phenomenal actor, and from all accounts, an absolute legend of a human being. You will be missed, and the world is worse off for your absence. Indeed. 
So I hate to end that on a downer, but I just, I, I, I didn't want to put that in the regular news, and it seemed relevant with John Wick Chapter 4 coming out next week. So, mm. yeah, next week, John Wick Chapter 4, and I'm sure it'll be a good almost three-hour time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much to everybody who's been listening. Uh, if you could, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell, follow on Twitter, Spotify, Facebook, wherever you want. I, I need to get better at posting on Facebook. I need to get better at posting on Twitter, but I, they haven't rebanned me yet. <laughs> so I think I'm doing okay. Yes. In any case, this has been Under the Bridge with Cody, a.k.a. the Scarlet Troll. And with Greg, a.k.a. Greg. And we'll catch you guys next week. Goodbye, everybody. Mazas! <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little Earth 3 reference. Bye, guys. <laughs>